0: Thanks for tuning in to Best Show Ever, a podcast presented by the Ingler Theater. In today's episode, we're talking to Ebenezer Adeyemi, a doctorate student at the University of Iowa studying global health disparities. We'll get to hear a bit about Ebenezer's research, which revolves around marginalized communities and how they advocate for themselves. We'll jump right into the conversation after a quick word from one of our sponsors. This episode is supported in part by Lensing Funeral Home. Throughout our life, we celebrate many different events, baptisms, weddings, bar mitzvahs. However, the funeral may be the most important because it's the final rite of passage, an event and celebration to remember and pay tribute to the one we loved. Lensing Funeral Home has over a 100 years of service with two convenient locations in Iowa City and Coralville. Visit Lensing Funeral Home at 605 Kirkwood Avenue in Iowa City, 210 Holiday Road in Coralville, or online at LensingFuneral.com. Ebenezer Adeyemi is a doctoral student in the School of Anthropology. He spent much of the past few years studying the community of Makoko in the city of Lagos, Nigeria. Life in Makoko is typically characterized by inadequate infrastructure, a lack of paved roads, running water, electricity, and other government services, including healthcare. Ebenezer studies the strategies the community uses to overcome these inequities and hopes to amplify the creativity and human resilience displayed in their efforts. Ebenezer will be graduating in May of 2025. Ebenezer, thank you so much for sitting here in the Englert on this Monday and taking some time to talk to us about what you do.
1: Uh, thank you for having me here today. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So can you just give us like the spark notes context of your academic history and how you somehow ended up studying anthropology here in Iowa City?
1: Yeah, uh, thank you for that question. So um, I will say before coming to Iowa City to start my uh, doctorate uh, degree in anthropology, I, I received a bachelor's degree in anthropology from the Department of Archaeology and Anthropology, University of Baden in Nigeria. Uh, I also received a master's degree in Peace and Conflict Studies uh, from the Institute for Peace and Strategic Studies, University of Baden in Nigeria. So, but in terms of why I decided to pursue a career in anthropology, I would say uh, while I was in primary school, and I think the equivalent of that in the US would be middle school and you know high school and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So I really, one of the, uh, one of my favorite courses then was uh, social studies where, you know, we were grappling with a lot of social issues, social institutions, family, kinship, um, uh, politics and stuff like that. So I really developed interest in that discipline. And when I finished high school, which is a court secondary school in Nigeria, uh, uh, I was really interested in pursuing a career, like pursue a degree in anthropology, and that's how the story started, because I really enjoyed uh, learning about social issues, you know, about society as a whole, uh, even while growing up, and I developed some early interest in you know, understanding, you know, uh, social questions like marginalization, mm-hmm. survivor, you know, growing up in Nigeria. So I would say that, I mean, the decision to pursue a degree in anthropology didn't sit well. With my parents initially, mm. you know, many parents were like, "Oh, why not just go to school and study medicine? Why not go mm-hmm. to school to study something like law and stuff like that?" But I was like, "No, uh, I don't. Uh, I love those disciplines. I love what they do, but I think uh, my interest will be better served uh, uh, if I pursue a degree in anthropology." So I was able. To, I tried my best to convince them, and I think today they are proud of. Good. Uh, what I'm doing with anthropology and some of the questions I'm asking, so uh, they're proud of that. Yeah.
0: Hmm. And and what brought you to Iowa City specifically? Is there like a certain program here, the professors, or how did? Yeah, that's this a, become the spot.
1: That that's a very good question. So I would say uh, uh, deciding to come to Iowa was one of the you know toughest decisions I had to make because I had. Uh, offers uh, in so many places in the United States, in the United Kingdom. Uh, So I didn't know about Iowa. So everything I knew about Iowa, I knew from, you know, uh, reading uh, on the Internet and stuff like that. So but I would also say, it's a decision that uh, I'm very proud of. And I would say coming to Iowa was largely influenced uh, by uh, my advisor. Professor Ted Powers, uh, whom I met even before coming to Iowa to start my doctorate degree. Mm. So uh, while while I was running up my master's program in Nigeria, I attended uh, a conference, uh, African Studies Association Conference, uh, which held in Chicago, Illinois. So over there, you know, I was talking to professors in different parts of the US and the UK because I knew. I wanted uh, that international experience, right? So I emailed my uh, my current advisor now. We started exchanging emails. It was so, it was so welcoming and, you know, it was very encouraging. Now, hey, you can apply. Uh, I'll be happy to work with you if you get selected. You know, it's competitive. PhD admission is very competitive. I can't guarantee that you'll be selected. But if you get selected, I'm more than happy to, To oversee and lead your training. Mm. So uh, I met with him at the conference in Chicago. I met with other professors too, but I really liked uh, my meeting with Professor Ted Powers. So when uh, the admission offer came in, uh, uh, I just had to come to Iowa because uh, of my advisor, who is also doing some very fascinating work uh, around HIV activism in South Africa. Mm. So, and then I also read a lot about the Department of Anthropology. You know, the level of training there is really fascinating. And the staff and faculty members in the department are really, really uh, uh, great. So I would say those, a combination of those factors uh, influenced me to pick Iowa City. And again, if I have to make that decision again, uh, 100 times I will keep picking Iowa City and the University of Iowa Department of Anthropology.
0: Cool, good Uh, to hear. Can you tell us a bit about Makoko, uh, the city your research revolves around? What's it like there? What's just like the general context?
1: Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, so Makoko uh, is an informal settlement in Lagos State, in Nigeria. And just for, for some context, Lagos is reputed to be you know, uh, the largest and the most, pop- uh, most populous city in Africa. So, because the population there is roughly between 20 to 22 million. So, um, and in Lagos, we tend to see uh, a lot of informal settlement which Makoko falls under. And what I mean by informal settlement uh, is, you see a situation whereby people build makeshift settlement with stilts, with uh, bamboo trees and stuff like that uh, in different parts of the city. Uh, those are considered to be marginal spaces. So Makoko specifically is a community uh, with over one hundred thousand people. So life in the community is characterized, you know, by building of uh, makeshift settlements on the water of the Lago, of on the water of Lagos Lagoon. So um, uh, because of the kind of situation that the people live in, in that community, you know, uh, it's a marginalised community. For instance. Uh, it's a community that gets almost nothing from from the government. Uh, you know, when you compare it with other uh, affluent communities in Lagos where uh, the social and political elites live in, like mm-hmm. some of them are Banana Island, Ikoyi. So those are the places where the elites are concentrated in. So in those communities where the elites live, the social and economic elites, you see a lot of infrastructure, right development being taken to those communities. But communities like Makoko, despite the fact that they contribute a lot to the economy of Lagos. For instance, Makoko is one of the largest uh, uh, producers of fish Mm -hmm. in Lagos and they contribute to the uh, informal transport sector and a lot of other things in Lagos. So they don't get anything from the government. So because of these factors, there are no public hospitals in the community. Mm -hmm. Also, the fact that they are not, uh, uh, they are inadequate with the disposal system. Uh, Those uh, combinations of factors make the residents susceptible to some infectious diseases, especially malaria. So when I went there, I discovered that malaria is the biggest health problem in the community due to a number of factors that have highlighted, marginalization, inadequate disposal systems and stuff. So, and my, my research has sort of explored, what are factors, you know, what are some global and local factors that push people into marginal spaces like Makoko, where they are susceptible to infectious disease. But uh, I'm also trying to move beyond just analyzing factors that make the people susceptible to disease, to actually analyzing, you know, things that the people are doing on the ground, you know, to access healthcare, especially to access healthcare to treat malaria, the uh, the most prominent health issue in their community. So, and uh, it's been a very amazing journey. So, if you just Google Makoko on the internet, you see a lot of write-ups like Makoko uh, is a site of disease. That's how people have been framing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see a lot of things like uh, the people are hopeless. Uh, Some scholars uh, describe Makoko as a site of social depreciation. You know, there's been a lot of uh, uh, essentializing kind of framing of the people. But when I went there, I didn't see uh, people that are hopeless, right? I didn't see people that are helpless. I saw people, you know, who understood that they are marginalized by the government and the people who are supposed to cater for them. But these are people who are doing... Everything you know within their uh, reach to sort of change their social conditions. You know they have several strategies that they use to access healthcare. So, and what my research is saying is that uh, my research is trying to speak against uh, the Afro-pessimistic mm-hmm. uh, uh, view of uh, marginal spaces like Makoko, especially in African cities. To say, hey, yeah, these people are marginalised, but that is not the only reality in those communities. In those communities you see ingenuity, you see brilliance, you know, you see much more than just, hey, the people are suffering and stuff. So let's talk about uh, stories that uh, that sort of promote the agency of the people.
0: What are some of the specific ways you've seen the people in this community um, go about their own survival? Like what are the specific ways that they get what they need without the support of a
1: government yeah so thank you so one thing i noticed was uh in makoko there are community associations right where people sort of pull resources together to mm-hmm. help one another right in situations whereby uh and that's one of the ways through which the people caution the effect of government marginalization so there is huge social support there's huge uh network that people uh, uh draw from in the community. So I I took a seminar with a professor in my department, Professor Elena Bush, uh, that was talking about kinship. And I wrote a paper specifically about, you know, normally uh, when we hear about kinship, we think about blood ties mm-hmm. or ties that we form through marriage and stuff. So and I wrote up a paper, you know, building on some of the readings that we also read read in the class about how Makoko residents where i working in are redefining re- kin relations. You know, you see a situation where people who are not related by blood or by marriage are calling each other brothers, sisters, Mm -hmm. you know, and to sort of build, there's a very significant uh, social network that they draw from. Also, when I was in Makoko, for instance, you know, like I said, it's probably one of the biggest fish markets. They produce fish that even contribute to combating food insecurity in Lagos State. So I noticed that. Many of the equipment that they were using to do the fishing were developed from the community right like fish nets like canoe they were mm-hmm. making canoes in that community with timber with wood and stuff like it's very it's so just so fascinating to see those things. so they sell those outside in return they get you know some 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 income from that. So the people have different ways through. I also discovered that there, there is a huge presence of indigenous medicine, and when we talk about indigenous medicine, we talk about medical practitioners who engage in healing using, you know, indigenous uh, mechanisms like herbs and stuff like that. So, which are things they've been using for years that have been working for them. So uh, that's just a few, mm. you know, of some of the ways through which the people are actively, you know, reconstructing their own stories trying to, you know, live on their landscape and to sort of say, hey, uh, we also have access to, to uh, you know, positive human life that everybody else has. So they see it as a way to also negotiate access to city resources. So, yeah, and that I find that really fascinating. Mm, thank you, those
0: are awesome examples. We'll be right back in conversation with Ebenezer after a quick word from our development director, Katie Roche. The Englert Theater has been a cultural leader in our community for generations, and we want to make sure that the Englert continues to impact our community in a positive way for years to come. You can help ensure our place in the future of this community by joining our Fellowship for the Future program. By making a fellowship gift commitment, you lay down the sturdy foundation we need to grow and make even bigger community impacts. If you are excited about a future for Iowa City that has a thriving and innovative arts community, please consider our leadership level membership group, The Fellowship for the Future. Invest $100 per month or more for a three-year period at englert.org slash fellowship. Or
1: contact us to talk more about what we can build together.
0: What do you think is the number one thing that people of Makoko have taught you about the human spirit?
1: Yeah, uh, one thing, one really good thing, first and foremost, is to say, uh, one thing that I'm, working in Makoko has made me also, you know, think about my own life, right? So as a person, and it also made me understand privilege mm-hmm. really well. So I grew up in uh, a middle-class family My dad was a teacher for 35 years. My mom uh, is about to retire uh, as one of the top uh, officers at the uh, Nigerian Baptist Convention. So I was able, they they sent me to some of the best schools. Mm -hmm. Uh, So in Nigeria, uh, for instance, the University of Bada that I attended is reputed to be the best university in Nigeria and is even the first. So uh, it's made me understand the privilege uh, that I had growing up, and uh, uh, another thing that I've um, really learned working in Makoko is the fact that no matter what, uh, no matter the situation people are facing, people have agency. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. People have you know this positive spirit to say no, we we also matter. We're important in the scheme of things, and they have different strategies through which you know they. Sort of put their voices out, because again, uh, Makoko is a community that has been in constant uh, engagement with the government. You know, dominant uh, conception of Makoko by the government is hey, they are, they are, they are are constituting nuisance to the mega city status of Lagos. The The people are like, no, this is home to us. You see, you this you see this place as. You know, shack community. We see it as home. Mm-hmm. We also have right, just like you. Mm-hmm. You know, the elite to live in Lagos. We also have right to live in Lagos. Mm-hmm. So, it really it has taught me a lot about how uh, even communities that we said to be marginalized communities have agency. They have voice through with the contest. You know, uh, uh, negative uh, framing of their community. They and they are constantly engaging in things to change their stories. And it also opened, opened my eyes to, you know, not just Makoko, but different parts of the world. You know, marginalization is something that is almost as old as uh, human societies. So we've always had at specific historic period, you know, there's always been margin- people who are marginalized, some people who are, you know, marginalizing people. So mm-hmm. and what working in Makoko has taught me is that, hey, people have agency and we should be careful of just restricting of, uh, of just restricting the stories we tell about, about people uh, to just uh, the negative aspects, right? We should also sort of use our energy to talk about the very good things, the fascinating things, you know, the ingenuity mm-hmm. that are going on in marginalized communities. Mm.
0: Yeah. Amazing, yeah. Um, what is it like talking about these disparities? with your students now, uh, these cultural differences, and also what does the uh, vantage point of Iowa City, a a materially privileged place, Mm -hmm. kind of bring to those conversations, if that makes sense?
1: Yeah, so I mean, uh, one thing I really like about my experience in Iowa City is the fact that I have the opportunity to serve as a teaching assistant where I go to the classroom, to lead discussion, uh, you know, uh, with undergraduate students from different backgrounds, right? So it's really interesting to hear their perspectives. To share my work with them uh, in my classes, I sort of share pictures from uh, past feedback to say, hey, this is what I'm doing. And uh, I think one thing uh, I've also received very good feedback from students regarding uh, the kind of work I'm doing. And there was a time that somebody walked up to me to say, hey, uh, just listening to your research really made me understand uh, privilege, you know, like I was saying yeah. before that, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of material privilege uh, in Iowa City and that kind of lifestyle is, not, is something that is strange to many, uh, many, many students that, you know, have taught in the past. So, but they, what I try to do is just to again, like I said, to sort of say, hey, uh, let's first and foremost sit back and understand how privileged some of the privileges we've enjoyed, you know, probably based on some certain circumstances, and at the same time, let's uh, let's be let's be careful uh, about stories we push out, you know, uh, about people, especially marginalized uh, communities. So think it's been very positive and uh, so far so so good to uh, it's been well received
0: hmm. That's so good to hear that yeah that that you're able to reach your students yeah. mm-hmm. in that way and get that kind of feedback from them. right. Um, what is your ultimate dream or goal mm-hmm. when it comes to your research and what you'll do after you get your doctorate degree?
1: Yeah, so uh, first and foremost, my ultimate goal for my research is uh, uh, to sort of tell a different story about Makoko, right? To say, yeah, it is true. The people, the people said it themselves. Hey, we are marginalised, right? We don't get anything from government. The only time we see government is when every four years, when elections are coming up, hmm. right? To, mm-hmm. to come out because they have the numbers. Then people want to get the vote. Uh, they, but after the elections, they don't see anything. So, but then, even at that, people have agency. So my, the ultimate uh, goal that I have for the research is to say, how can we work with communities to sort of uh, uh, understand me- methods that they use to advocate for themselves, right? How can we do community-engaged work? Does that make sense? And also maybe, uh, perhaps come up with recommendations uh, about you know what, how we can sort of uh, uh, change the way we, we think about marginalized peoples, uh, how can we sort of influence policies by working with the people to sort of project uh, their needs to the wider, wider public, right? So, um, so that's basically what my goal for the research is to understand how people are going about their daily activities, how they are contesting negative framings of the environment how uh, we can promote some of the ingenious uh, work that are going on in those communities and how can we sort of incorporate that into the uh, into policy right so uh, but for my own personal uh, for my career goal so uh, I don't know what the future holds right mm-hmm. so but uh, my goal is honestly to uh, after PhD, Uh, uh, continue in uh, uh, a very good research institution and to continue to conduct anthropological research and and to also to teach because I enjoy that part of the uh, training too. So I want to continue doing anthropological research and also to teach anthropological topics. Uh, I don't know where that is going to be so I'm looking at maybe postdoctoral positions or uh, Uh, tenure track position, so my my advisor has also been very good uh, in sending me some opportunities for the future, you know, Mm -hmm. postdocs, opportunities, just keep this in your folder in case the time comes, so Mm -hmm. I'm very grateful to him. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, well thank you so much for sharing just a little bit about
1: Mm -hmm. what
0: your time in Iowa City and the research you're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, Last question for you, tell us about Alive experience you've had in Iowa City and what you loved about it.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I have had so many experiences in Iowa City, uh, although COVID, the COVID-19 pandemic sort mm-hmm. of uh, restricted some activities I participated in. Uh, for instance, one of the reasons why I've not really gone to a live football game is because of uh, COVID drive. Right? Mm-hmm. So and v- I'm very hopeful that in the future, I will be able to go in the the very near future, maybe even before the end of this year. Mm -hmm. I'll be able to go to one because I see, you know, the atmosphere that, you know, comes with those football games and they are so electric. Yeah, it's crazy. uh, Yeah, very great. And I'm like, wow, how would it be like in the stadium? Yeah. But one live event that I really enjoyed Mm -hmm. was uh, uh, the 2019 homecoming. And I think that was held around... September or November, mm-hmm. so I really liked how people trooped into Iowa City from different parts of the, you know, country or even maybe different parts of the world. The parades were really fascinating. I like, I really loved the parade. I loved the activities. Like, mm-hmm. uh, it was just really great. So that is uh, an event, and it also happened before uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic hit. So uh, everybody was just really uh, having fun, you know, watching the event. And it was really incredible. So I really like that. Yeah.
0: Mm, yeah, that is definitely a very community-oriented yeah. mm-hmm. event, bringing people together, bringing people yeah. who moved away back mm-hmm. to this place that they love, even though they don't live there anymore.
1: Yeah, you know, they, I, I remember community businesses were showcased, which is something I find really fascinating. Uh, people doing different things in different parts of the world. Very fascinating things. I got to hear about them. So, and I think, uh, 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 I think a night, one Friday night or something, there was a big sort of concert too mm-hmm. after the parade. Was it Lizzo? I can't remember specifically what it was, but I it think was. it a yeah. yeah, it was really, I was like, wow. So, <laughs> that, that was one of the times, even though I was still struggling to, you know, get uh, the get graphs of life in grad school. I busy grass school. But I was like, no, I just have to see this event. And I just walked down from my office in my bread hall. And, you know, I just couldn't leave, you know, until maybe very much later at night. And that was when I just left because it was really a very fascinating event to me.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Well, I love that example. We haven't heard that one before.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, well, thank you so much again for taking time out of your day to come and do this. Yeah. Uh, it's been so... Fascinating hearing about your research. Yeah. Um, and yeah, thanks for I mean the research that you are doing mm-hmm. to benefit the yeah. world.
1: It, it's awesome. It, again, uh, thank you so much for having me today. Uh, it, it's truly really, uh, my honor to be here uh, to talk about my research. Uh, and thank you for all the good work you are doing to. So well. uh, appreciate it. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah.
0: Support for this podcast comes from Friends of the Inglert and Fellowship for the Future members. Learn more at englert.org friends. Ongoing support is provided by the National Endowment for the Arts and the Iowa Arts Council. Our intro music is Free the Bowl by Dan Padley, and our interstitial music is provided by Iowa City Jazz Fusion Group Wave Cage.